Kenny, Chuck, Shaq, EJ. That's right. This week on The Dirt, Season 1, Episode 2, we sit down and talk The Dirt with LJ Williams, the main editor behind the documentary, the inside story about, obviously, one of the most popular TV shows about the NBA. Um, It is awesome to be able to feature a guy like LJ He talks about how there were hundreds of hours of interviews that he worked on the project for two years just to bring it to fruition. We got into a lot of other really cool things, um, and I want you to give it a listen. The Dirt features people getting stuff done in the community and life and in business, and LJ Williams is definitely one of those guys that are getting his hands dirty and being featured on The Dirt. Not attempt to adjust your dial. I'm transmitting live with the hardcore style. Fresh new kicks in the all-star glow. I'm up in the mix, this Paul Large Pro. Straight out the gate with the fabulous track. And my devastating rhymes get the platinum plaque. For the underground world, every street and borough, even out of state. You're doing this super cool, man. So I wanted to I wanted to have you on and, and talk a little bit about that. Cool? Cool. Cool. Alright. Yep. So I'm gonna do a quick intro here. And uh, we'll go ahead and get started. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of The Dirt, featuring people that are the doers, the entrepreneurs, people making stuff happen. They got their hands in it, getting them dirty today. I have a very exciting guest. Uh, We connected on Instagram, and I immediately became engaged because of the work that this man has done with uh, TNT, and and then I've learned about the rest of the body of his work. L.J. Williams, uh, the new content documentary filmmaker, uh, editor, uh, recent film, by the way, too, The Pathway, which we're going to get into all of that. L.J., thank you so much for dropping on by today. I really appreciate your time on the dirt. How are you today, my friend? Good. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. I'm good, Yeah, man. I'm absolutely. Good. So, so you're a Youngstown guy. You grew up in Youngstown. Oh, born and raised. No yep, kidding. Born and raised. And then uh, off to the University of Pittsburgh. What did uh, What yeah. did you major What did you major well, in? Well, I had I, I had a I had a couple. St- I, oh my fault! I, I had a couple stops before I made it to the to the University of Pittsburgh. I started. I went to Central State. Was there for my first semester was forced to leave there, had to come back home, did Youngstown State for a quarter, then Pitt, finished up at Pitt. I know Central State pretty well. Actually, um, so when I was in college, I played basketball, and this is probably the real fascination I had because I'm such a a hoops junkie. And as we talk about your work on the Inside uh, Story documentary, we played basketball against Central State when I was in college in the in the early to mid nineties, and so I know I've been down the I've been down to Central State a handful of times. <laughs> Interesting campus. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably evolved a little bit since I was there, but uh, so would you? What did you major in at Pitt that helped you to do what you're doing today? Well, the thing is, um, I've always wanted to be in film, and so when I left. Youngstown to go to school, they didn't have a program at Central State. They had radio and television. And same thing at YSU, they only had radio and television. So when I got fed up with YSU and I chose Pitt, I saw that, oh, they have what I've been looking for all this time. 
And so I, I ended up majoring in film studies there, but there it's not, you know, your hand, you're not hands on with anything. It's more of a um, research school. Yeah. So you, you learn a lot of the concepts behind the decisions that get made and stuff like that, but you don't put your hands on it there at that school. It's just yeah. not set up for that. So, so talk to me about then the, the new content and, and how you got to where you are today with, you know, you're the primary editor on that four-part documentary series on TNT with the inside, inside the NBA. You're doing a lot of high-level production work with the Atlanta Hawks. How, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. How did you get from pit to where you're at now and get the experience to be able to do that? Man, listen, that was a journey in itself. Um, when I was in my final year at Pitt, I decided to move down here, uh, me and my wife to be, um, we moved down. I finished up school while she was here. I, I traveled back and forth and once I graduated. So I was already had a place to stay here. So now I can start looking for employment. I couldn't find any jobs in my field for like three years. Really? You know, I was cleaning swimming pools, renting cars for <laughs> Alamo, renting car, just just any and everything. You know, I delivered papers at night, like midnight, overnight, Wall Street journals. I did all of that. Then finally, in, in the job that I had renting cars, I met a guy who worked at a, a small portion of AT&T and they had a little sports show. It was on the cable access channel. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit and he said, you know what? come on down and, and we'll, you know, see what you can do. Well, by this time, you know, like I said, I haven't had my hands on anything. So all I had was my theory and, and my drive. So yeah. I went down there, put my hands on everything they had to offer. And I started getting, you know, a reputation of a guy who knew what he was doing on all these different facets of production. Yeah. So from there, the director that I was working with there moved on to another job. And he said, you know, I got a guy who can handle this. That was me. I moved on. So I'm out of the cable access channel. Now I'm on to another channel, which was uh, Fox Sports Net. Pause there for a second. What's the right. time? So what's, I work the, what's the okay, time? Okay. Frame? Like, what's, what's the year? Uh, so I got down oh, wow. here in 97. So three years from now, we're talking 90, 91. Gotcha. Right? All right. right, right. So, okay. like I said, he, he moved me, I moved over to Fox Sports Net along with him. And from there, I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, crane cameras, jib cameras. I'm doing audio, I'm cutting promos, all of that stuff. Just any and everything I can put my hands on because I'm freelancing. And so the money has to come. So you have to work. So... <laughs> I'm doing that, and eventually, I put my hands on an Avid, and they saw that I had some talent there, in which I didn't know myself, because I hadn't put my hands on it. But they saw talent there, and they, they let me go ahead and continue to flourish doing that. And from there, I shifted to doing producing with editing so i'm a predator as they call it yeah <laughs> and i started traveling with the hawks so i traveled with the hawks for like three more years you know so wherever the hawks were i was on the plane with them traveling producing and cutting the opens to broadcast every city back-to-backs whatever i was rarely in atlanta so once i kind of got through that stage through three years or whatever a friend of mine asked me to um teach him how to 
use Final Cut, which was starting to get gain, you know, gain speed in the editing world. And so I taught him, and he moved over to Time Warner. Well, at that time, it was Turf Sports. So he moved over there, and he was like, yo, you need to come over here. You need to come over here. They need you over here. And I'm like, ah, whatever. Because I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm traveling. I'm, I'm in every state, wherever. I'm with a NBA franchise everywhere they go. I'm loving it. Right. He You're said, well, just come show. over here. I know. He said, just come <laughs> over here and take the tour. I said, all right, I'll take the tour. I went over there. I saw night and day from what I was doing yeah, yeah. to what I could be doing over here. And I made the decision, moved over here. And from there, all I do <laughs> on a day-to-day is edit the high-end pieces along with a group of guys, you know, and young ladies, I should say. Yeah, I yeah. say guys, but I mean... Yeah, 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 team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so, you know, I'm here. And from there, then I decided to branch out and do projects on my own. That's where the new content comes in at. So then you have documentary series I did with uh, Comcast when they were trying to birth uh, on demand. So they wanted to touch the urban community. So they looked to me to do that. So I did turnkey programming for um, the the Falcons. It was a show by the name of For the Love of the Game. So basically we would go down and do different exposés on high level fans who are there and they, they live, breathe and eat Falcons. Yeah, yeah. So we did features on those those guys, and then in turn flipped it and did the same thing for Brave Sam. So those are the things I did for Comcast to to build the new content. Then shifted to music, the stand on demand. They wanted to take it to another level, so I I, you know, I shot them the idea. You know, we have a lot of indie talent in Atlanta. Let me do exposés on them. That became a, a documentary series, a mini documentary series for indie artists, which in turn blew from just Atlanta to, you know, New York, Philadelphia, across the seas. Artists were wanting to be on the show, so I kept pushing. Yeah. So it just kept, things just kept spiraling all the way up to the point where I'm at now. I can, we could be talking for days. I've got all these little nooks and crannies that I've done, you know what I mean? I, I love it, though. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exercise in, in hard work. It's not an overnight success. It's being taking risks and being uncomfortable, right? And then the talent to also back that up. Like you know, they they say that you can you can get onto the playing field, but it's talent which really keeps you there and keeps opportunities coming your way and the willingness to go and and do that. And that's what I hear. Uh, that's what I hear a lot in in your story is like, you know. And, and let me ask you this question. Why why did you pick Atlanta? Because you could have went it sounds like to me like after Pitt you could have kind of went anywhere you wanted to go could have came back to like why did you pick Atlanta? What what in, what was interested you about Atlanta? Well with Atlanta I was, you know, throughout my research of, of trying to figure out where I could project myself in the future. I kind of try to figure out where the, the trends were. And the trends were for film, the film industry to go to Atlanta. That was what the trend was. And that was back in 90, like I said, yeah. I got down here in 97. So around 96 or so, 95 or so is when I was doing this research. And they were saying that 
the trend was going to move the film industry to Atlanta. Well, when I got here, it still wasn't here. Right. It's you were heavy now, but it wasn't when I was here. So that, right. So I kind of gravitated to what else I knew, and that was music and sports. And so that's where I'm in this little, little bubble where I'm doing more so documentaries and things like that instead of the feature part of films. Um, so does Tyler Perry kind of be the, is, is he, is he one of the main drivers behind that film industry in Atlanta? Uh, I would say yes and no. Yeah. Because there's more studios down here that are doing the work. He does a lot of work and he has a lot of people flowing in and out of the city to work at his facility. Yeah, okay. But, but even like we're like I, I reside in, in Congress, right? A lot of those shows like the originals and and a lot of those um series are shot in Congress and it has nothing to do with Tyler Perry. You know, that's just where they chose and they saw the the um the opportunity. Yeah. Because yeah. all the incentives that the, the state was given. So now do you um you, you said music and sports. To be to be mm-hmm. around it that much, you're passionate. Are you pa- you're passionate about about sports? I take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, growing up here in, in, in Youngstown, that's really what you got. You got sports, <laughs> <laughs> and you got music. I mean, what else? Is, what else is there? You know? Hey, there, so, there's no. I mean, you're you're exactly right. Like I left in '91. Um, you know, went off to college and played basketball, and then and then from there went to Cleveland and New York City and Columbus. Eight years ago, we moved back to raise our family here. But you're exactly right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of sports, <laughs> right? And, and then you know, I'm I'm passionate, very passionate with football and basketball. But I've learned NASCAR and I've learned hockey through through my years of working because I've I've done Daytona. Really? You know, <laughs> oh yeah, I've 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 worked for um, Phoenix Coyotes as well as the, the Atlanta when Atlanta had the Thrashers back then. I did yeah. a lot of work with them also. So there's, you know, you you just you kind of gravitate to these things and you learn them. I learned golf. You yeah. know, I never thought I would work in golf. I did that. Um, I've done MLB playoffs series and stuff. I I, I just it happened, <laughs> and you yes. learn it along the way, you know. Uh, yeah, no, that 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 that's that's amazing. Um, so you got to be the primary editor. You were the editor on the Inside Story, the four-part documentary series that featured mm-hmm. Shaq, Kenny, mm-hmm. EJ, and, and Chuck. Uh, tell me, tell t- tell us a little bit about that documentary because I I started watching. Uh, I started watching it in preparation for this, and then I really love the show. It's a really groundbreaking, um, you know, people don't recognize that just four guys up there talking about basketball and pre- and post-game stuff and cuts mm-hmm. in between of how revolutionary that show is, was, uh, and how impactful it is. So, I mean, that, that's a big moment to, I think, do that documentary.
Oh, we lost EJ, LJ. I had a phone call come through. <laughs> you know what? I have that too. And I'm gonna, I may need an editor, by the way. I may have to. Uh, no, but <laughs> so yeah. Talk, yeah. To, talk to us a little bit about that it, the, that documentary. I think it's really well, cool. Well, um, me and uh, Peter Dennis, he's the other guy, uh, the other senior editor on this project. Well, we were mm -hmm. actually the only two editors on this project. Yep. And how how it came about? Um, the producer Audrey Audrey Martin. She she talked to the people, you know, the decision makers about doing a podcast about 30 years of, of inside the NBA. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they decided that it was bigger than that. And she welcomed that, of course. And so she decided to start working on it and she pulled Pete. And so they're working on it and, and they saw that it was a lot more than you know, one person could lift. And so they called me and I said, <laughs> definitely. Cause yeah. I, I visited, I visited, um, back when we were not working from home, you know, in our different edit suites, we go around and talk to one another and, you know, see what we, each other's working on. And I saw what they were working on. I was telling them this is incredible, you know, and I was actually going through their, they, they called it the murder board. It was just a board of, uh, a whole bunch of cards you know, 3.5 cards with the different topics and how to try to restructure the, the actual story and not tell it chronologically, but make it make sense. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I was like, yo, this is incredible. And not long after that, they called me to, to join in. So I was like, yeah, no doubt. And <laughs> you say that um, a project that that is that heavy, is that important, I was proud to be a part of it because this only happens once in a lifetime. Absolutely. So I dove in. It took me like a week to just catch up to where they were at. Yeah. Because of how robust it is. You're talking, like you said, 30 years, and these guys have been doing this every night during the playoffs for 30 years and not to mention every Thursday throughout an 82-game season. So that's a lot of material, right? Right. So we're going through all of that material. We're going through the interviews that we had. We had over 100 and I think, believe, 170 interviews. We're going through all of those, and we're trying to build out a story. And so it was a, it was a heavy lift, but yeah. it was very enjoyable. We put about, I put two years into it. They probably put two and a half years into it so now i kind of forgot your question because we you know we're all, we're <laughs> no, off, but. That, that's incredible man like I, I i you know i i put out a print publication uh, and i did two volumes of it and i can relate like i i worked on that from the time i had the first meeting to the time that we had our final product it was it was around two years mm. and you know it, 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 and it was funny because at the end we were getting close and I had some people that were in the publication. They're like, it took less time to print the Bible than it is to print this, you know, this publication that I made. And I was like, I was like, look, this is not a speed thing. It's a, it's a, like, we want the final product to be amazing. And, and, you know, when somebody trusts you, 
mm-hmm. with you know trust you with telling that story um you know it 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 comes with a lot of responsibility and 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 i, I think it's amazing that you 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 know you you acknowledge that and feel that um did you get a chance to interact with um any of those guys that that were obviously in in or you're purely on this side well unfortunately when we were getting deep into it trying to wrap it up and everything and start to finalize everything that's when the pandemic hit yeah so what you're watching in those four episodes was what we created from our homes yeah wow so once that happened there was zoom meetings and webex meetings and working through webex with equipment that we haven't really proven yet (laughs) to come up with what we came up with so no unfortunately we did not get a chance to sit down and discuss and normally we would be right there my my office is literally 10 steps from the studio yeah so i could interact as much as i would want to at that point but i couldn't because i'm i'm working from home now yeah so all of that was thrown out of the window so anything any kudos that they throw our way on air is just based off of knowing that this is the name <laughs> of the person who put it put their hands on it you know yeah they couldn't put a they can't really put a face to it so it's, it's weird in that sense but it's still appreciated, it, you know. It, it, yeah, it is, man, and, it, and I mean, it, it's an amazing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I watched. Uh, I watched. I'm three quarters of the way through the first episode, and it's just really amazing. Like it, it brings me back, like to like just that moment in time. Like you know, like I, I know where I am or was when I'm watching, like you know, the beginnings. I remember David Aldridge. I remember all those guys that like were were Steve Sager that were on those broadcasts and. Um, yeah, it just makes you relive it. And, and so how has, you know, you, you're, you're old school. You have a foot in both, you have a foot in both worlds. Now you were yeah. in the game pre-internet and now post-internet. How much has the internet and everybody's ability to be able to be creating content of some sort and video and how has the internet changed? And technology changed your job for better, for worse, and anybody out there that's also creating content? Uh, actually, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it, it affords me the opportunity to do what I do outside of, of Warner Media. Sure. And, and be able to touch millions of people. You know, before, if I do a project, and I don't have the internet. I'm just reaching out to Tony and them that I know down the street. You know right. what I'm saying? My friends back in Youngstown, uh, a couple of friends that I met here, and th- that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But now I can put out, you know, a pathways or whatever, and throw a trailer up and start garnering attention, and not necessarily just based off of you knew me, and so now you're gonna give me some props because you know me. No, right. they can look at the work and say, oh, this is interesting. I'm interested in that. And so that, I love it. I love it. It yeah. doesn't, I don't think it, um, the only way it harms like a, a major company like Warner is if they don't keep up with the times. Yeah. You know, and and don't, doesn't see that, okay, we have to bend a little bit from our normal way of doing things to reach 
more people or reach the people we've always reached. Right. That sort of thing. But other I, than that, I, I, I'd agree with that. I think that any media company that's out there today, and that's kind of what happened to our local newspapers, that they didn't want they wanted they wanted to be in the business of selling newspapers for fifty cents or a dollar for you know the the newspaper instead of being in the content delivery game and meeting people in these new ways that where they want to engage in content and like I mean this very podcast has a has a uh, you know a a respectable regional following and it's been built up enough to where we are able to get some sponsorship dollars because of of that you know that following and media companies that are traditional thinking. Um, you know, they just don't don't evolve with the times, and they're not going to be around. Um, right, right. Nice segue, by the way, though, into what I wanted to talk about next is your most recent um, film mm-hmm. is is called The Pathway. Yeah, Pathways. <laughs> Sean's the Lament. Pathways. Yeah. Yes. Sean's Lament. And and so so that is a a period piece, a throwback piece to Atlanta. Correct. And, yeah. Go ahead. It's 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 very interesting because of the, the process that got it to become a period piece. You work in in in, in budgets. You well aware of uh, you know this cost this and this cost that. Well, the funds for the film were tapped. Till years later, then I could tap into it again. So, do you reshoot and recreate? Or does it become a period piece? In my experience, <laughs> you make it a period piece, <laughs> yeah. right? Because right. now you can allocate funds for other things as opposed to reshooting. And so that's where you got it being 2010 pathway. Yeah. What happened in that era of independent music in Atlanta? So... It's a big change now. There's <laughs> a huge change now in what Atlanta's indie scene is as opposed to how things were then. Really? And, in just oh, a, de- a decade? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. night and day. Night and day. So, like, majority of the stuff that was happening in that film, if you, if you notice in the film, there's a Razor flip phone. Oh, yeah. As opposed to an iPhone or any other smartphone. There's a Razor flip phone. Yeah, we yeah, was, yeah. We weren't there yet, right? You know, and the open credit scenes, it, 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 the imagery of all the different, you know, elements of flyers, because that's how you they were promoting, you know, their concerts, hand in hand with flyers, as opposed to you know, internet, as opposed to shooting it out through Instagram or shooting it out through Facebook and all that. Hell, MySpace was was barely getting going at that time. Right, 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 so, right. So yeah, it's it's. It definitely is. If you stepped into that film and watched that film, you are placed in a, a a a time frame specific to what was going on. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, it's it's it's. I don't want to say taken for granted, but the the fact that these apps, social media, YouTube, uh, music is integrated now into you know you you can purchase uh, royalty free music, so artists. Can, can I mean they may not make a lot of money, but like they're getting exposure from it, and we kind of take this whole world that we're living in now and just are like, yeah. But the, the Instagram wasn't around 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you and I, you and I aren't connecting in 2010. Correct. The way that we connect, right? Like we we're there's there's that by luck chance that I'm in a, I'm someplace and I meet you and you know you always meet somebody from Youngstown, Ohio. By the way, it's just <laughs> a really weird thing. But like, but other than that, luck, you know, once in a lifetime, you know, once one in a million chance, you know, you're right. Like Instagram. Uh, are so many artists taking advantage of that to build the following to promote their shows and and I'm anxious to uh to to see the movie uh and uh I can't wait to do that. LJ, I really appreciate you have being on today, man. You're a super talented guy and you are appreciate one of those people that uh are out there getting getting it done, getting the work done, putting the work in and I appreciate your story. Appreciate you sharing that with us and let's stay in contact, man. I I really look forward to uh uh to that. Appreciate it, Dennis, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You take care, my friend. We'll see you. All right.